0: one of has got a secret, can you keep it, swear this one will say Better lock it in your pocket, taking this one to the grave If I show you, then I know you won't tell what I said Cause two can keep a secret, if one of them is dead
1: Hey you! Welcome to this episode of What The Actual F. In case this is your first time ever checking out this podcast, hi. My name is Harmony and, well, I'm your host. And for those of you who are weekly listeners, I'd like to say I'm sorry. I apologize that there was no episode last week. And most of all, I apologize for what I'm about to say. The uploading schedule for What The Actual F may be a little shifty for a while. It is currently a summer vacation for kids, which means every other week my youngest is in the house all day. Making it rather tough for me to make, create, and give you the content that you deserve. I mean unless you want a little bit of this in the background.
0: Mama, Ma Ma Ma
1: Ma Mum 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 Which I feel like you most likely don't. You're just gonna have to bear with me and our uploading schedule is going to shift to most likely every other week. But because of this shift, we are going to be releasing bonus episodes. So I apologize in advance, but just know there will be some bonus content just for you. As always, if you want more of me or you wanna follow my life or you wanna know more of who I am and the voice behind all of this, you can follow me on social media. You can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at harmony, And if you want to send a message to me, reach out via email at whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. If you have cases, if you have stories, if you have something creepy, if you have conspiracies, if you just have something you'd like me to look into, go ahead and send it my way. Or like I said, if you just want to see who I am and follow me on social media, then go ahead and do so. Let's be friends on the internet. All right, enough with the intros, let's dive into the story I have for you today. On October 17th in 2006, the New Orleans Police Department got a call from the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel. This came in at around 8.30 that night. The hotel was calling because they saw a guest jump from their rooftop bar. This guest had fallen seven stories. And in case you're wondering, they did not survive. The police did rush to the scene, and next to the building, they would find the body of a 28-year-old man by the name of Zach Bowen. Or Bowen. It could be Bowen. I actually have heard people say Bowen, Bowen, and Bowen. I don't understand. Sometimes it's just really tough to get the correct pronunciation, and I apologize. Doing my best here, guys. Doing my best. Now, at first glance, the police saw this as nothing more than just a suicide. Heartbreaking and tragic, but simply just that. But moments after thinking this is simply what they're looking at, they're able to locate a plastic bag. This is in Zach's front pocket. Inside this plastic bag was a short note for the police. There was also his army dog tags and a key to his apartment in the French Quarter. The note contained Zach's address along with the name of his landlord to grant permission to a search warrant. The short message that officers were met with was this. This is not accidental. I had to take my own life to pay for the one that I took. If you send a patrol car to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge. And a full signed confession from myself. Signed, Zach Bowen. It was upon reading this note that the New Orleans Police Department realized what they were dealing with this was no longer just a suicide this had also become a homicide case but let's backtrack a little bit let's talk about who the victim of the suicide was and eventually who he would murder ladies and gentlemen boys and ghouls if you will stick with me because i'd love to tell you the tale of zachary and Addie.
0: It's a mystery. It is a mystery. Because you, I mean, it would be a mystery not only with Adriana, anybody getting something done to them like that, you know?
1: What, I mean, what go through a person's mind from to do a person the way she was done?
0: the governor of louisiana said today that she is considering the remarkable step of evacuating the remaining residents of new orleans a water main broke leaving new orleans without drinking water and the flooding here is getting worse after waters from lake pontchartrain broke through a levee
1: let's talk about zach first zachary bowen was born on may 15th in 1978 born in Bakersfield, California and spending the majority of his childhood within that state. For the most part, it seems as though Zach grew up as a pretty average American boy. Throughout his life, he seemed to always worry about letting people around him down. And he seemed to worry how others would perceive his successes and his failures. I'm sure many of us have these worries to our own degree, but Zachary would take it a little farther. These worries would plague him. Zach started to fall into a depressive state in high school, so this is when he decided to give his life a fresh start elsewhere. Zach decided to move from Sacramento, California, where he was living with his mom and attending high school, to New Orleans, Louisiana. This is where his father lived, so he decided, you know what, let's do it. Once he arrived, Zach finished his high school education and got a job as a bartender when he was 18. While bartending on Bourbon Street, Zach met 28-year-old Lena Shupak. Lena was originally from Florida and was working as a stripper at the time of their meeting. Immediately, Zach and Lena took an interest in one another. They begin dating immediately, but only after a short time of dating, she falls pregnant with Zach's child. Now, even though Zach was going to be a young father, he embraced the situation and the couple eventually decided they should get married. Their first child, Jackson, was born. This is when Zach decided to quit his bartending job and to better support his family, he joined the army. Zach would later enlist in the army and serve in Kosovo and the Iraqian tours. During his time in the service, he rose to the rank of Sergeant. And unfortunately, it came all at a cost because he was later diagnosed with severe PTSD. Which, if you are a veteran, thank you so much for your service, but I know is one of the biggest things that happens to those who serve in our military and service. I have personally many friends who are currently active military personnel and many that are veterans. And unfortunately, my best friend was a veteran and took his own life. He had a very public struggle with PTSD and his case is actually publicly known. If you'd like to look into the case of Drew Winkler and his suicide, it would probably be very appreciated by his family. As many veterans every day do end their life because of PTSD. And I'm sorry to pull this all into a very sad note, but this is very real. And although Zachary's actions would become very heinous, I'm not giving him an excuse. But PTSD is a very severe mental illness and many who suffer with it just need help. And I do personally believe that Zach truly needed that. But you know what? We're gonna dive in more and more and I want you to decide. Is Zach nothing but a monster? Or was he mentally ill and just needed a little help? Did he lose his way because of the horrors that he had endured and what he had seen? Leading to him not only taking his life, but his girlfriends, or was he really just a bad bad guy? Good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to New Orleans. I do want to discuss a specific incident that did end up haunting Zach for the rest of his life. One day he ended up befriending a young Iraqi boy while serving. However, he later found out days after this event that the boy was killed as punishment for interacting with the Americans. Because of this, Zach felt immense survivor's guilt and his mental health only got worse. I couldn't imagine, personally, to have my hands in a war and to be someone like that and then make friends with somebody who is supposed to be your enemy, only to discover that they were murdered because they, in fact, befriended you. Yeah, that would fuck me up too. After a few years of battling at the front lines, Zach was generally discharged. This also put a lot of stress and sadness on Zach as well. Since a general discharge is not in the same caliber as an honorable discharge, it didn't really fit well in what he had for his plans. Remember, he went to the military to give himself a better life for his family. So just having a general discharge wasn't exactly what he was wanting. So this would also add to his mental instability. He felt as if all of the trauma and the hell that he had gone through, everything that he had fought for, all that he had endured, was for nothing. His plan that he originally had, had just gone up in flames right in front of him. Regardless of all of this, Zack would return home to New Orleans, and immediately he began having problems and arguments with his wife. According to his wife, he was completely different when he returned, and they soon faced marital problems and eventually decided they should separate. Even though Zack and his wife were no longer together, Zack still paid child support for his child, and at this point, by the way, they had two children. So he did pay child support and resumed his job as a bartender for tourists that were coming into the city. While returning to work as a bartender, this is where Zach would meet other coworkers and his future girlfriend, Addie Hall. A killing that don't make sense.
0: A death that don't make sense. This wasn't a, a uh, horror movie waiting to happen. It's something that you're not accustomed to, to reading or, or even believing at that point.
1: So who was Addie Hall? Addie was known to many of her friends to be extremely creative and a completely free spirit. Just about anywhere that you can read about Addie, that is the number one description of her, a creative free spirit. Addie originally grew up in the Northeast, but she came from a very toxic and abusive household. Once she finally made her way to New Orleans, she was able to be her very own individual. She would ride her bike every day to work from her apartment in the French Quarter. In fact, she used her bike as her main mode of transportation. Addie also never let her creative tendencies go to waste. She was extremely artistic in many ways. She wrote poems, she danced, she drew, she painted, and she could even sew. Although at this point Addie was living an independent and somewhat of a bohemian lifestyle in New Orleans, she was also struggling at this time kind of battling her own inner demons. According to many people that knew her, Addie struggled with undiagnosed bipolar disorder and she was also known to get pretty aggressive and have nasty fits toward those who were close to her, especially when she drank too much. Addie also had a history of being in abusive relationships. Because of this, Addie had great fear that she would fall into another one. Side note, if you've ever been involved with someone who's abusive, this becomes a fear that haunts you for the rest of your life. Especially if that abuse was at the hands of a narcissist. You never know how much danger you're in until you realize it's a narcissist that's abusing you that shit fucks you up for life all right let's get back to the show sorry about that so addy decides once she sees zach that she wants to flirt with him because she's interested in him so she starts teasing him a bit and testing the waters to see if he's interested back and guess what he is well obviously because we're here to talk about them zach though was interested in addy from the moment he saw her from the start, Addie was the only girl that Zach wanted, at least for now. The young adults shared the same young and absolutely crazy lifestyle. They both loved the nightlife, especially in New Orleans. They loved to party. And they loved to do drugs. And of course, they both loved to drink. Now, me saying they love these things is sort of an understatement. They really loved to drink, to do drugs, to party, to be out every night. They loved it and doing it together just made it that much better. Zach, over time finally felt as though he could be himself, he could have fun, let loose and do all of this with Addie. They were both constantly craving adrenaline and living life to the fullest. Many of their friends thought since they were both constantly fueled on drugs and alcohol, it would mean that their relationship would most likely be tumultuous. At least that's how all of their friends viewed it. Which does kind of make sense. If you have a lot of mind-altering substances in your relationship, chances are you're probably not going to work out too well. If someone's high, drunk, or just not sober all the time, (laughs) yeah. Good luck on that one. Despite their friend's judgments, however, the two started their relationship and quickly fell in love. Everything seemed to be going well until they realized Hurricane Katrina was about to ravage New Orleans.
0: And let's take you to New Orleans now where the press conference is underway with Mayor Ray Nagin. We'll get the updated information on his city's preparedness for Hurricane Katrina is intensifying uh, and is still pointed toward New Orleans and is not a meteorologist or an expert that I have talked to that says that this storm will not impact New Orleans in a major way. As a result of that uh, I am this morning uh, declaring um, that we will be doing a mandatory evacuation and I'm going to read the evacuation order. Uh, to the public.
1: At this place in our story, we have come to the point where Katrina is about to make landfall. Hurricane Katrina devastated New Orleans. And for weeks and days leading up to its landfall, residents were urged to evacuate. They were warned that it would not be safe flooding would consume the city, emergency personnel would not be available, and that if any residents did so choose to stay behind, they would most likely lose power and water. I mean, to be fair, they would have water, just not the kind that they need. Now, Zach and Addy, however, had other plans. Just because they wanted everybody to evacuate didn't mean that they were going to. In fact, Zach's ex Lana approached him and asked him please leave the city this this is stupid don't stay you got to get the hell out of Dodge however he said he was not leaving that he was planning to stay and ride out the storm right there in that French Quarter apartment with Addie. This apartment by the way in the middle of the French Quarter is now extremely famous why is that well because of exactly why we're here the murder and the fact that it's said to be haunted but i'm getting ahead of myself let's get back to where we were so she's begging zach come on come on you gotta get out of here it's a storm coming you got kids you know you're a dad be smart get the hell out but he says i'm staying At this point, Lana realizes this decision may be completely reckless and absolutely immature, but she cannot change his mind. Lana and the kids head out, and Zack and Addie stay and ride out Katrina.
0: damage expected. Hurricane Katrina, a most powerful hurricane with unprecedented strength, rivaling the intensity of Hurricane Camille of 1969. Most of the area will be uninhabitable for weeks, perhaps longer. At least one half of well-constructed homes will have roof and wall failure. All gabled roofs will fail, leaving those homes severely damaged or destroyed. The majority of industrial buildings will become non-functional. Partial to complete wall and roof failure is expected. All wood-framed low-rising apartment buildings will be destroyed. Concrete-blocked low-rise apartments will sustain major damage, including some wall and roof failure. High-rise office and apartment buildings will sway dangerously. A few to the point of total collapse. All windows will blow out. Airborne debris will be widespread, and may include heavy items such as household appliances, and even light vehicles. Sport utility vehicles and light trucks will be moved. The blown debris will create additional destruction. Persons, pets, and livestock exposed to the winds will face certain death if struck. Power outages will last for weeks, as most power poles will be down and transformers destroyed. Water shortages will make human suffering incredible by modern standards. The vast majority of native trees will be snapped or uprooted. Only the hardiest will remain standing, but be totally defoliated. Few crops will remain, livestock left exposed to the winds will be killed hurricane wind warning is issued when sustained winds near hurricane force, or frequent gusts at or about hurricane force, are certain within the next 12 to 24 hours. Once tropical storm and hurricane force winds onset, do not venture outside.
1: once the storm had surpassed zach and addy were stranded with a small community of people who also decided to stay behind in the city they now had no electricity no running water i mean they had plenty of water if you if you catch my drift (laughs) haha that was a pun too because things drift in water because it was it was flooded so there's actually lots of water you know what let's continue i ruined the joke There was no heat or air conditioning and very limited resources. Yet, ironically, they loved everything about this almost post-apocalyptic lifestyle. Soon, the couple would go around to the abandoned bars and gather alcohol and make cocktails right outside of their apartment, all for others to come and exchange food and water for. You wanna get drunk, bring me a sandwich. You want a shot, give me a bottle of water. That is a barter system, man. That is awesome. That's genius. They did end up going viral because of this. They would light debris and mattresses on fire in the street and use that fire to cook and stay warm. Everyone that was left behind in New Orleans was having a camping trip right there in the city. Let me tell you a little side note about what was going on during this time. Now, obviously, there were a lot of areas that were heavily flooded and you could not get to. However, once emergency personnel could drive around the streets, would you like to know what Addie did to keep the cops to pay attention to them just to make sure that things weren't going to get out of hand? Whenever she would see a patrol car circulating the area, watching for emergencies and just making sure that nothing fishy was going on, she would flash them. Just take her top up and say, Look at these titties! I have no idea why I said it. Like, I don't i you know, <clears throat> but yeah, she would flash the cops and she did this to keep them coming just so that they knew, hey, if they came by, they'd see boobies, but also everything's okay. Zach and Addie's presence, their favors, and absolute nonsense that they did all around New Orleans after the hurricane caught so much attention in the media. The couple was even featured in several newspapers including the New York Times. Katrina may have been dominating headlines because of its impact, but it was clear that Zack and Addy were also making their very own impact. People were describing them as king and queen of the Hurricane Katrina survivalist. At this point, Zach and Addy were head over heels in love with one another. Nothing felt as though it could go wrong they were on cloud fucking nine they thought this whole experience was an adventure and if anything they seemed to not want civilization to ever return to normal again but eventually the city slowly started to repopulate and build itself back up as new orleans progressed to civilization once again zach and addy's relationship began to take a downward spiral What once seemed to be a beautiful thing that came out of a natural disaster was quickly becoming toxic. Bum bum bum! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have now arrived at the climax of the show. In case you don't know what I'm saying, and in case you don't understand what I'm spitballing right now, this is the climax, the murder, the time that somebody, nay, two people, will die. In other words, sit down and prepare to feast, because I've got the meat and potatoes for you. Well, after this. Uh, I don't
0: believe, for example, that a direct, unobstructed connection can be made to Zachary Bowen's experiences in Iraq, or his unfair discharge from the military to the crime he committed. I think that there are a number of factors behind Zachary's decline, uh, drug and alcohol abuse, an abusive relationship, a a general discharge from the military that jeopardizes health care and benefits. But I never want to point the reader to a single factor and say, aha, that's it. I do however, want to get as close to the truth as possible in Zachary's case. Shake the devil off represents my attempt to answer a simple question. How could this horrific crime happen?
1: Now if you have an ex-husband or an ex-wife and you share a child with them, I'm sure there are times that you wish you didn't. But that doesn't stop you from doing what you need to do as a co-parent, especially for the sake of your child or children. Oftentimes we have to put ourselves aside as parents and think about our kids. However, Zach at this point thought differently. He didn't want to co-parent anymore. He didn't wanna pay child support. He didn't want to even deal with his ex-wife. And on the other hand, Addie didn't want the responsibilities that came with Zach. She only wanted Zach, not Zach's life. At this point in the couple's relationship, their rose-colored glasses were off and their honeymoon phase was over. You know, not to mention that Zack and Addy used an extraordinary amount of drugs. Plus, they were drinking excessively. I'm not here to knock you if you like to have a drink or two or five. It's not my liver that you're destroying, so I don't care. But these two were absolutely signing their liver's death warrants. They partied and drank, and that was not a good mix for them. One of their friends, who goes by the name Squirrel, said that during this time, he was supplying them both with a steady stream of cocaine, just adding gas to this fire. According to several of the couple's friends, though, the couple started constantly arguing and complaining about the other person to all of their friends. Zach was complaining about Addie, and Addie was complaining about Zach. It was a lot of he did this, well, she did that, well, he said this, well, she said that, all being fueled and fed by drugs and alcohol. Their fights and arguments grew even more explosive. Now, there's something apparently that was somewhat normal in the couple's relationship. They did argue and bicker a lot, and they would get physical. Again, I I know, not a normal thing. I'm sorry, if you are in a relationship and you guys get physical, that's not normal! Unless it's like, brand chicka brand cow, the sexual physical kind. But for them, everybody just kind of accepted that this was how they were. Until now, because now their fights and arguments were getting very bad. Their physical nature that they had once had was now becoming full on throw-in hands. They would just go toe to toe. Many friends also said that another common thing between Zach and Addie was that there was a constant cycle of breaking up and getting back together. You guys know that kind of couple, right? Like You watch them, It's just, it's so toxic, it's horrible, but like a train wreck you can't stop watching. One week they're madly in love and they're gonna get married one day and everything is sunshine and unicorn farts. And then the next week, they fucking hate each other. I hope their house burns down. Go to hell, I hate you, fuck off. You know what I'm saying? Those kind of people. This was basically Addie and Zach. No one was ever really for sure what state was the relationship at any given time. They would spend time together, but not be together. They would fight with each other, but be together. They would tell each other, I love you, and then fuck off. It was really bad, and it left everybody in their lives questioning why they were together, were they even together, what the hell's really going on, why are they still going at this. Unfortunately, they were both hooked on chasing the highs and lows of frequently pushing the other away, and then chasing them down to get back with them. A very toxic thing, but they could not get enough of it. After several months of constantly circling this toxic drain in this abusive relationship, The state of the couple's relationship had completely deteriorated. Surprise, I know. Zach wanted to end the relationship for good. Finito, finished, done. Put a fork in it, we don't need anymore. But Addie tricked him into giving her one final chance. You know, one of those, it's gonna be different this time. Spoiler alert, it never is. Addie would ask Zach if he wanted to quote start fresh with her and move back into the apartment at 826 North Rampart Street. And he agreed. Zach paid the first two months of rent in advance and the lease was put in both Zach and Addie's name. But after the rent was paid, Addie went back to the landlord a few days later and put the lease in her name only. And that's not all she did. That very night, after they're settled and they're situated, she kicks Zach out. And you know what? She could. Because he had no right to the apartment. Because he was no longer on the lease. As for Zach, yeah. Getting scammed and getting kicked out of his apartment was the final straw. I know I said that last time we were getting to the meat and potatoes, the real part of this story. But I actually mean it this time. That is after this ad break. Hi, and welcome to this ad. I know many of you have probably fast forward through this, but if you're still here, thank you. Right now, I wanna tell you about my very first sponsor that I ever had the pleasure of working with. This is Doom and Groom. Doom and Groom is a skincare company based in Denver, Colorado. They have incredible oils, bombs, butters, and pomades. Everything is organic, unisex, dye-free, chemical-free, and packaged in reusable metal tins. I have been using Doom and Groom for a very long time. And if you've ever seen me, you know my skin is covered in tattoos. So I take care of it. I want these little pieces of artwork to look amazing forever. Just because I had extra money at one point in time to get them doesn't mean I want to redo them every few years because they went dull and lifeless. So I hydrate those bitches. What's that? You don't have tattoos? No worries, you still have skin. And this is great for that, seeing as how it's specially made for your epidermis, aka skin. And if you happen to have a beard, check out their beard oils. I can't personally tell you about them because, well, I shaved my beard off last year, but I hear they're amazing. I could sit here and tell you about all of their products, but I don't have the time for it and I'm pretty sure you don't either. So head on over to doomandgroom.net and check out everything they have to offer. I know times are tough guys, money is tight for everybody. But if it wasn't for the support of my sponsors, I wouldn't be able to create the content that I do for you. So please head on over again to doomandgroom.net and check out what they have. And while you're there, use my discount code for an extra 10% off. My code is HarmonyDoom. Once again, that is doomandgroom.net. Use my code HarmonyDoom for 10% off your purchase. Thank you to Doom and Groom so much for offering this to all of my listeners. And to those of you who stuck around to listen to this ad, thank you. Now, what do you say we get back to the episode?
0: Zach, you can do anything. I mean, you're gorgeous, you're smart, everybody loved him. Eddie was kind and creative. And funny. They fell in love during Hurricane Katrina.
1: She loved Zach, but he was very jealous. He told her, if I can't have you, nobody else will.
0: He had to be insane.
1: That's a graveyard love. Okay guys, now that we've arrived where I'm going to tell you everything that went down, I'm gonna warn you. This is gruesome. On the night of October 5th, 2006, during a very heated argument, Zach strangled Addie to death, right there in that Rampart Street apartment. In the very first line of his signed confession, he wrote this. Today is Monday, October 16th, 2 a.m. I killed her at 1 a.m. Thursday, October 5th, I very calmly strangled her. It was very quick. So obviously he has a lot of remorse. Obviously, right? Right? Maybe? Probably not. When Zach killed Addie, he was both in a very intoxicated state as well as reaching his breaking point mentally. Now here is where shit starts to get real fucking twisted. Not that it already isn't twisted, but it's going to go a whole different route right now. After Addie was gone, Zach committed necrophilia on her body. I know many of you know immediately what that means, but I'm also pretty sure a handful of you have no idea what that is. Necrophilia is when you have sex with a corpse. Yeah, Oh God, it's gonna get even more dark, okay? It's gonna get darker than this. It's This case is gruesome. After he slept with his deceased girlfriend, He then held her and slept next to her for the evening. Yeah. Yeah. I... I don't even... Like, I want to be shocked, but at the same time, I'm disgusted. But also still a little bit like, huh, yeah. I mean, people, they're fucking disgusting, weird and disturbing. I don't know what else to say. The shit I read, I am just... I'm amazed. When I do research in these cases, I am just amazed. It's just... It's nasty. And we're gonna get worse, okay? It's gonna get worse. When Zach woke up, he got dressed and he got ready for work like it was just any other normal day, except when he left that day, he left Addie's dead body to decompose in their apartment. Eventually, in the days that followed Addie's murder, Zack would take his life. Now, Zack actually had a very disturbing strategy when it came to disposing of Addie's body, by the way. Zach brought Addie's body into their bathtub and started to cut her apart using a knife and a hacksaw. Parts of her body that were cut off were put in pots and pans and then stored in the fridge or on the stove or even in the oven. Originally, as you can imagine, when police did stumble on this scene in the apartment, they assumed it was due to his possible desire to commit cannibalism. But they were not able to find any actual human remains in his digestive system, which they did check in the autopsy because they were curious as to why the fuck he did that. So they feel as though it's clear to them the only purpose of him cooking and dismembering her body was in his eyes the easiest way to, well, get rid of her. In fact, he wrote this in his confession, quote, Halfway through the task, I stopped and thought about what I was doing. The decision to halt the first idea and move to plan B. In parentheses, it read, the crime scene you are now in. This came after a while. I scared myself by the action of calmly strangling the woman I love for one and a half hours. And then desecrating her body. I was scared by my entire lack of remorse. Dude, yeah, Uh uh-huh, mm-hmm, yeah. Zach's fucked up. During this time, many of Zach's friends said he started to act strange and was much quieter. Since he and Addie also had a lot of mutual friends, they began asking where she was. Zach sometimes just wouldn't answer, or would say that she went back to North Carolina where she was originally from. While some friends were surprised by this answer, others weren't so much. Addie was bipolar and also a very free spirit she would be somewhat unpredictable according to many so it seemed fitting that during some sort of tumultuous or toxic relationship she might find the need to get out and have some time to herself meaning she might have sought the refuge of going home but obviously this was all a lie and zach Yeah, he knew exactly what happened to Addie.
0: Back in 2006, less than one year after Hurricane Katrina ravaged this area, Addie Hall's body was found in her French Quarter apartment, dismembered, some of her body parts stuffed in a freezer. Her boyfriend, Zach Bowen, admitted to the killing and dismembering. He confessed in a suicide note he left behind after he jumped off the roof of a popular French Quarter hotel. The story made national headlines, it's still part of French Quarter haunted history tours, and at least one book was written about that murder-suicide.
1: When Zach did finally come to the realization of what he was doing and what he had done, He completely fell apart. He metaphorically and physically started to beat himself to death over the feelings of no sense of empathy or remorse for murdering his girlfriend. It was at this point when he truly let go for his last few days of life. Just a few days before he did take his own life, Zach went to the absolute maximum level when it came to partying. Now, let's think back to when you were 21 and you went out and you drank or you partied or whatever, if you did such a thing. That pales into comparison to what Zach decided to do. He went into absolute overdrive. He would spend thousands upon thousands of dollars at strip clubs, spend the money on drinking, doing any and all drugs, and sleeping with multiple prostitutes and just other women. In the final statements of his confession note, it read this, quote, I've known for forever how horrible of a person I am. Ask anyone. And I decided to quit my job and spend the 1500 cash I had being happy until I killed myself. So that's what I did. Good food, good drugs, good strippers, good friends, and any loose ends I may have had. I didn't contact any of my family, so that'll explain the shock and had a fantastic time living out my days. It's just about that time now. Signed, Zach Bowen. As soon as all of Zach's money was spent, he went to the rooftop of the Omni Royal Hotel on the 17th. He opened up a tab at the bar and drank to the point of being completely blackout drunk. The police also noted that Zach's body was covered in bruises that didn't look like they correlated with the jump from the bar. During the autopsy of Zack's body, they learned that these bruises were self-inflicted. There were 28 to be exact. And they were representing, quote, every year he was a failure. Now, the crime scene that Zack left behind with the pieces of Addie's body, it was completely unsettling. But one thing was for sure about it, it was a clear reflection of Zack's inner demons. Now, Zack did, a horrible, heinous thing and then followed it with more horrible and heinous things. But he did try to preserve Addy's body in a sense, slow the decomp and allow the smell not to get so bad. In order to prevent this, he kept the apartment at a cool 60 degrees. The police said that the temperature felt similar to that of a meat locker. The bathroom as well where he had hacked up Addy's body had been completely cleaned of any blood. And Zach had also spray painted his thoughts across the walls throughout his apartment. Police and detectives were read with messages such as, I love her, I'm a total failure, and of course, look in the oven. Oh, another thing that he did. In his strange new murals and decoration ideas that he had going on for the apartment, he also spray painted his ex-wife's contact information. This way, it'd be easier for the police to contact her and break the news to her and their kids. Oh, how sweet of him. But just as he had mentioned in his suicide note, so because he didn't reach out to anybody, his ex-wife and everyone was absolutely shocked At what he had done. Everyone was shocked not because he had just taken his life but because of what he had done to Addy. But what shocked everyone the most over all of this was the fact that in Zack's own words he stated he didn't care. I think that sealed it for everybody and really really made an impact on not just the city but his friends, his family, her friends and her family, his kids, his ex, everybody was deeply impacted by this case. And I'm sure you can see exactly why. Lived it up, I guess, in his final moments, uh, high and drunk and with women, and then he ended up killing himself. So I'm right across the street from 826 North Rampart Street, which is where the murder of Addie Hall took place. Uh, This was the apartment that they lived in. The bottom section was the Voodoo Temple, uh, whereas the top part of the apartment where you see the windows are, that was where their apartment was and they lived above there. One thing that pops into many people's minds when they think of New Orleans is ghost. New Orleans is famous for its ghost tours and world-renowned supposedly haunted places. And thanks to this case of Zach and Addie, their Rampart Street apartment has joined the likes of those places. In the recent years, their apartment was renovated and opened to New Orleans tourists as a part of a ghost tour if you go to youtube you can actually google the rampart street apartment and you will see people that have gone inside and show you exactly what it looks like it's a bit eerie to see the apartment and to know that that is where zach did what he did to addy and everything that went down although it's not set up the exact same way that it was as it's been renovated it's still an eerie feel Now personally, I really want to go check it out someday and I believe the next time I go to New Orleans, that will be one of my stops. If you've ever gone and checked this out or if you live in New Orleans and you plan on going, send me an email and tell me. For those of you who do not know the email to get in contact with me, that is whattheactualeffharmony at gmail.com. I would love to know how close you are or if you've ever been or if you plan on going. And hey, if you plan on going, maybe we can get a huge group of us together and try to fit in that tiny apartment. I'm kidding! I'm kind of kidding. Kind of kidding. It'd be cool though. Now, Even though this case is now in infamy with just how heinous it is and the fact that the apartment may be haunted according to many. One thing for sure about this case is it pulls on your heartstrings and it makes you think. Like many cases I tell you, this one was absolutely preventable. Both Zach and Addie had mental health issues to the max. They were in extremely low points and to one another, they became aggressors. They were both abusing the other and then reactively abusing back. It was absolutely tumultuous, 1000% toxic and a situation that needed to end. Unfortunately, the way it ended was not the solution that should have been. The both of them could have gone on to live a fulfilling, successful and happy life. However, the only solution to this was the one that neither of them were willing to do. They needed to separate and be apart in order to survive. However, they were not willing to give each other up. Which sadly meant that their love story would end in nothing but tragedy. Well, tragedy and murder, yeah. All right guys, that was the case of Zachary Bowen and Addie Hall, The heartbreaking and gruesome case that happened in the midst and after Hurricane Katrina. A couple that went viral not once but twice. One time for doing a great thing and helping others and another time, well, for a lot darker reasons. As usual, if you guys wanna know more about this case, I encourage you to go check it out for yourself. There's always things that I can't share with you or there's too much to put into one episode. So if you do really ever wanna check into a case, please do so. I try my best to give you all of the information, but sometimes it's just impossible.
0: All I really need to know is when we're and All I really want to know is when we're and All I really need to know is when we're leaving.
1: brings us to the end of our show that was the brutal and heartbreaking case of zachary bowen and addie hall hurricane katrina made an impact for sure on new orleans and i didn't mean that in the pun way i meant that factually as in to this day there are still abandoned left to rot buildings from the impact of katrina And there's no doubt that Zack and Addie did bring a light to this devastating aspect of New Orleans in that time. However, just shortly after all of the great that they had brought was a heartbreaking tragedy. Zach was a jealous man. Addie had unchecked mental health that definitely needed to be worked on. The two were tumultuous and toxic to one another once everything died down. When they no longer had this goal of surviving this almost post-apocalyptic environment, it was though they had to endure one another. And as much as they loved each other, they also despised each other. They couldn't be without one another, but they also didn't want to be with each other. It's a tale as old as time, unlike what Beauty and the Beast states. Love is messy, love is gruesome, And most of all, love can make people do downright crazy things, including murder. So I hope you guys enjoyed this case today and this episode. Again, I'm so sorry I was not here last week and my uploading schedule is going to be a little bit shifty. So sorry about that, just work with me through this summer vacation. As always, please send me a message via email or on any social media platform that you follow me. As always, if you do have social media and you don't follow me, please look me up at oh hey, it's Harmony. I am on Instagram and TikTok. And yes, I'm on Facebook too, but like, uh, who uses that anymore? Well, if you do, you can find me at Harmony Miller. Ah, okay. All of the shameless plugs are out of the way. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and. I will talk to you on the next episode of what the actual F stay safe out there guys, because I never want to tell a story about you. Love you. Bye.